already Sunday again? Yes, it is. It seems like when you're doing these video things, you're constantly in front of a video camera. If the, this keeps up, the church is just going to have to get uh, some lighting people and some makeup people. No, we're not going to be doing that, but we are happy to be here. We're happy to be providing uh, an unusual service uh, in providing worship online. Uh, there's nothing that... Uh, is a substitute for church in person, the gathering, because uh, the fellowship and uh, the significance of the church gathering to praise in unison is, is something that just can't be done online. But we are happy 
uh, to be here. We're glad that you're watching. Uh, we have found several different categories of people that uh, watch this. Of course, our people that normally attend Bellhaven Missionary Baptist Church are, are watching, and some people that uh, formerly attended the church when they lived in the community. And we've also run into a lot of people uh, who just are checking out churches online, and we're glad you're here. I think I have a pertinent message for you today coming from the book of Job. Uh, so go ahead and find your copy of God's Word, Job 42, the final chapter of Job. It's uh, pretty easy and pretty elementary to uh, go to the book of Job during a time like this. And uh, so that's kind of where I went. And of course, uh, I've read through the book of Job many times, taught it many times, and it's a wearisome book. Uh, it, uh, it, it'll take an emotional toll on you if you read the book because you see yourself in Job, uh, see the futility of uh, many of the things that he's expressing and the anger that he's feeling uh, at his friends and even at God uh, because uh, we are uh, told at the very beginning of the book that God uh, had a plan in this and everything was completely in his control, but not from Job's perspective. Uh, he was crying out for justice and for mercy from God, and he didn't know why God didn't answer him quicker than what he did. And so Job is a natural place to go to in a situation like this. I've entitled this sermon today, Eyes Will Open in 2020. I remember uh, probably the first sermon of the year. Uh, as you're coming on a new year and you couldn't miss the fact that it was 2020. And of course, uh, if you're an optometrist or a person who wears glasses, you're familiar with that term. That means perfect vision. And I remember an excitement about the upcoming year. And we're now uh, four months in and it has been nothing but turmoil, upside down. Do you still feel that way about 2020? Is it, is it going to be a year of breakthroughs? Is it going to be a year of success? Or is there going to be a lot of heartache? Is there going to be a lot of loss in this coming year? Well, I know what you're thinking, uh, but I have the perspective of God's Word. And I know that uh, this situation is something firmly in God's control. In fact, we have learned that trials are designed to open our eyes to things that were previously unseen. Uh, I remember during the hurricanes when we go through sometimes extended periods of time uh, without electricity. And I remember going through the house and, and wondering why the TV doesn't turn on. Went into the bathroom every single time, flipped the switch on, and for a second I go, where's the light? We take so much for granted uh, until we lose it. And you definitely probably have had your eyes open to that recently. But 2020 is still going to be a great year. I promise you it is. Uh, Charles Dickens, at the beginning of his uh, classic novel, The Tale of Two Cities, said this, It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. Boy, that's a mouthful, but 
it begins the novel because at the time that Charles Dickens was writing this, he was reflecting on the idea that the French Revolution was, was a threat. But it was also a time that was great and rich in literature, great thinkers, great preachers. And so he basically said it's, it's the best and it's the worst. And that's probably a good way of looking at the situation that we're currently in. America is threatened by a war with Iran, maybe North Korea. Uh, there's a health crisis. There's a pending economic catastrophe uh, that we're living through. And now the preacher on your computer is telling you, God's getting ready to do something good. You see, because God's not restricted by our technology. He's not restricted by our government. He's not restricted to our schedules. He has a strategic plan. In 2020, eyes will open. 20 in the Bible, the number 20 in biblical numerology means redemption. 20 is mentioned over 280 times in scripture. There's something to that, isn't there? Look with me now at Job 42. Here's what it says. It's the big moment when Job comes to attention to the idea that God's not the problem. Job is the problem. It says in verse 1, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, let me speak. You said I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you, by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. God bless the reading of his word. Hey, let's take a moment and uh, have a word of prayer together. Father, I thank you for an opportunity to proclaim your word. We thank you for that time you gave us in preparation in which you were able to speak to our hearts. And if uh, no one else has been ministered to by this passage of Scripture being brought forward, it has ministered to me, Lord, and I thank you for that. And Father, as I preach it and proclaim it, I pray that whoever is listening uh, that needs to be encouraged, that needs to have their eyes open to you, and to who you are, uh, that that will occur. And Father, we give you praise, honor, and glory that you deserve. And we thank you that you are in charge and that you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to introduce you to three words. Three words, that's what you're going to need to walk away from this uh, sermon with. The first word, and they all begin with R, redemption. Uh, the second word is reception. And the third word is restoration. 
This is a chronological outline. These are the things that need to occur in the life of a person who has their eyes opened. They need to recognize redemption. They need to believe and receive, so reception. And then God takes over and restores, restoration. Redemption first. Redemption means already purchased and readily available when you see your need. One more time. Redemption means it's already purchased, readily available for when you see the need. Job went through 41 chapters in which he was spiritually blind. He, he saw what was in front of him. He definitely saw his emotions. He definitely saw his situation as dire, but he didn't see what God was doing. He heard the counsel of his friends who initially came to comfort him and then eventually began to point their finger at him because their religiosity had been disturbed. There had to be a belief that if you do good, God has to bless you, and if you do evil, if you sin, God must punish you. It's known as the retribution principle. And they preached it. They're, they're, they had been taught this. It was a part of their tradition. And so they couldn't dismiss what they previously thought. It was kind of trained or brainwashed into them. But Job spends 41 chapters wrestling with his friends and wrestling with God. But God had a redemption plan already in place all the way through the complaints and the whining and the anger. In fact, it was already in place at the very beginning before it was ever introduced when Satan says the only reason why Job serves you is that you bless him. If you remove the blessings, he'll curse you. And I've heard all my life that Job was a patient person. I have a hard time seeing it. Now, if you took chapter 42, I say he arrived at patience, and he probably lived his life differently after chapter 42, but for 41 chapters, he wasn't very patient. Perhaps you're not very patient with what's going on right now, but you're still somehow holding on to the idea that there are no other options other than to trust God. You wouldn't dare curse God, but you, you somehow believe God's not doing what he ought to do here. Okay, God, this is not enough. Uh, this, this is enough. Stop. You know, there's a lot of innocent people dying, and there's a whole lot of people that go to church. The church can't meet. So you're kind of angry. At God. Hey, God, do something about this situation. I want you to know the solution is already in place. God knew in the life of Job everything that was going to happen, but he could use it. Yes. I think it was Martin Luther. I could be wrong on this, but I believe it was Martin Luther that said that Satan is a tool in God's toolbox. That's pretty deep. But God has redemption and deliverance already in the bag. He has healing. He has calling. He's just waiting for you to get to the point that you see your need. That'll make you think. God's waiting for somebody to see need. After all, it says in the Bible, 
By his stripes we are healed. Notice that's spoken of in the past tense. He's just waiting you, for you to get to the point that you see that you need it. If you look back at your life, you have to recognize that you are a journeyman. You are headed somewhere. You're headed that way, a way that's prepared for you. But you need to see that there's a better way. Optometrists can adjust your lenses when you go to them at the eye doctor. You can go in blind, sit in front, one, in front of one of these great big machines. You can look in there and they put a series of lenses in front of your eyes and they ask you the question, is that better or is this better? A or B? You probably have done it before. It can be an aggravating thing. But if you submit to the examination, you will walk out with a pair of glasses that will perfect your vision, bring you very close to 2020. You need to have your eyes opened. The United States of America, I believe, needs to have its eyes opened. The world needs its eyes opened. But they need to see they need it. It seems like the only way we can learn that is to be put into a situation where we run out of resources. We run out of an opportunity to fix it ourselves. We're finding out right now that there wasn't a plan in place to take care of a virus like this. There, there were not the proper medical supplies in place. Nobody saw this coming to this degree. Here's what it says in Ephesians, the first chapter. It's a very short passage, just two verses. The first chapter, verses 13 and 14. Here's what Paul said, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, in whom also, having believed, we've added something, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of of his glory. You know, we see exactly what we said there. There was a redemption that was purchased. That's when you buy something. You, you, you don't buy your redemption. It's purchased for you. But you have to see your need. You had to believe. That's what the passage said. And after you believe, then you receive the inheritance. That second R. I was telling you about we got redemption now reception you must believe that you need it you have to request it you know no one else can do that for you I can't do that for you mom and dad can't do that for you you must request it you have to see that need now Job was blind and we go through 41 chapters of a lot of argument even God's silence for a long period of time but then something happened it was like a light switch. All of a sudden, his blindness went to sightedness, and he saw. But it couldn't just stop there. He had to believe. He had to own it. He had to receive it. A better life than the one that you've been trying to build for yourself is available to you. It's already been purchased. But you have to see you need it. 
receiving is up to you. You've got to reach a point where you say, I want to see God. I want to see him as my Savior. I want to know him. I want to believe. One of the greatest passages in the Bible is is that passage, Help thou my unbelief. You see, that faith is a gift that comes from God. It's the ability to see yourself in need of a Savior. But sometimes we need help with that. We, we, we need to have a situation, a set of circumstances, a, a spiritual restlessness before we ever begin to question the way we see things. Then our eyes are open. But then we have to receive that purchased inheritance, that redemption that was bought for us when Christ died on the cross. Here's that third R, restoration. Chapter 42 is a breath of fresh air after having read 41 chapters of Job. Finally, somebody has given in. It wasn't God. It wasn't Job's friends. It was Job who said, I abhor myself. I repent in dust and ashes. You see, when restoration happens, it's, it's an entry into a new level of understanding. It's also entry into a new level of blessings. After repentance from Job, God restored Job. All the wealth that he had lost, it was replaced two times, twofold. You know, there are a whole lot of people that are waiting to be convinced that Christianity is a viable religion, that Jesus Christ really was the Son of God, and that he died on the cross, and that the only way to salvation is through Jesus. They're, they're looking to be convinced. And uh, I spent a lot of time talking to people like that. They, they're looking for me to provide a philosophical argument uh, that uh, overwhelms them and, and suddenly they're convinced. You know, you can't argue anybody into the kingdom of God. I can't argue you into the kingdom of God right now. I can't do it. You see, that's information. What you need is revelation. That's when your eyes are opened to see what God wants to show you. And then once you believe in that revelation, we reach the point of inspiration. So the three R's in review is redemption. That's what God did. It's already been purchased for you. He died on the cross for you. He submits us to this life down here and, and all of its tension and all of its losses and we try to build a life and try to find happiness. And sometimes God, out of his love and his mercy, creates a situation where we're just restless. Maybe you're restless right now. You've got a lot of time on your hand. That job you were securely holding on to is your future and your provision, your, your key to independence. 
it's now in question, that bank account, uh, those investments that you had, uh, they're now all in question. Uh, you, you're afraid to go out. You're afraid to return to life as normal. Uh, you don't have good beliefs about what the future holds. Uh, just like the book of Job. Just like the book of Job. But it's a situation that God has put you in right now perhaps for even this conversation that we're having right now. You know, something happened to Job. It's, it's miraculous. He, he stopped his argument because he saw things differently. He saw God differently. He saw himself differently. He had been arguing about how he was a moral, upstanding, sacrificial, giving, charitable person. But now he saw his sinfulness. And he saw his wrong view of God, what God was about. And he cried out to God, please forgive me for what I believed about you. He stepped into that grace and mercy that God had. God restored him. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? You know, we're introduced to Job in the beginning as a righteous man. I didn't ask if you went to church or if you tried to live by some sort of moral standard in your life. What I'm asking about is, is do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? This situation that we're in is has created a time for you to think and to listen. If your eyes have been opened to your need for salvation, I want to talk to you. The church's telephone number is 943-3102. I'll even give you my cell phone number. Because when you see this, it might not be at a time when the church is open. My cell phone number is 252-474-6986. I want to speak to you. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, there has to be something good that you're doing. Father, you're dealing with individual lives. This is not just a global thing or just a United States or a North Carolina thing. It's also individual lives that have been disturbed. And Father, you're speaking to someone right now somebody who needs to interpret this situation the way it's intended to be interpreted. You're speaking to them. And Father, I pray that you open up some eyes to some people that need to see their need for a Savior who will call on him and ask for his forgiveness and his salvation that has already been purchased. I know, Father, you've been waiting on them, waiting on them to see their need. Father, right now, if they see that need, all they have to do is believe. And you will give them what you have for them, a blessed inheritance, the hope of their calling. And Father, if there be one who will receive that salvation, it will have been worth it. Father, we praise you. We thank you for this church that allows this pastor to proclaim the gospel in this community. 
And Father, we know your word is perfect, and it reads our hearts and reads our souls. And Father, I pray today that we will have the courage and the boldness to respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My name is David Pierce. I'm the pastor of Bellhaven Missionary.